Run it back one more time. Phil Dracovic is coming back to Boston College, meaning the Boston College Eagles will have another solid offensive year in 2022. We're going to break all of this down in all the ACC and championship games from the weekend on today's Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. We're going to be talking about the big news of the day. Phil Dracovic, quarterback, is going to be coming back in 2022. Now, this wasn't really much of a surprise. After we saw what Boston College looked like in those final two games of the regular season, it seemed like a foregone conclusion that Dracovic was going to come back. Now, if you don't remember the whole series of events from this year, we'll just kind of break it down really quick. Dracovic comes out, looks like gangbusters against Colgate. He does the same against UMass. The first drive, he looks great. And then, unbelievably, he gets a freak injury to his hand that sidelines him for eight games. Boston College's offense completely shuts down uh, about three weeks later uh, as they start ACC play as Dennis Grossell struggles. Then the miraculous return of the Golden Child comes back as Dracovic comes back in the red, red bandana game and leads Boston College to a win against Virginia Tech, a w- big win in the end because that gave them their bowl eligibility. Well, the next game did, but Georgia Tech, after that, he looks like, he looked like, I don't know, Cam Newton out there, like just all over the place with his arm and his legs, you know, just completely torches Georgia Tech for five touchdowns. And it looks like everything is golden again. It looks like Boston College is going to, uh, you know, be the eight-win team that many had projected them to be. There was two more games. It was Wake Forest, who everyone thought, hey, you know, Dracovic's playing like that. He could win. And against Florida State, you know, another team that's been struggling all year. What ends up happening was disappointing. Against Florida State, he came out looking flat for the first two and a half quarters. He then turns it up at the end of the game, but it wasn't enough. He throws a game-ending interception, and they lose to to the Seminoles. And we do not need to rehash what happened against Wake Forest. He throws for 19 yards, looks bad. He does not look completely like himself. And as they said after the fact, he had the flu. So he's playing with a hand that, you know, he rushed back with, you know, that was still hurt. He had the flu. The whole team had the flu. It was just, it was a mess. So he's got the bowl game. He's got a whole month to rehab that hand and to continue to build strength because that clearly was an issue. If you saw those last few games, even the games he was playing well, he still had some balls that he wasn't throwing all that great. So you get one more game there, but you get all next year. That hand will be healthy. And so here, Dracovic's got some things he's got to do next year. And, and he's got to improve on a bunch of things. As he said in his statement, he said... Thank you to all my teammates leaving to pursue their best interests, Dracovic said. We wish all you success and will always support you from Boston College. In regards to my future, I will be returning to Chestnut Hill in 2022 to complete my economics degree, improve all facets of my game, and complete nas- compete nationally. Let's win! Exclamation point. And so, Dracovic is coming back. And what does he need to complete? What does he when he says he needs to improve on all facets of his game? He's being absolutely correct there. He does need to improve on a lot. He needs to be able to start to see some of the underneath routes that he had been missing in the past. You know, Djokovic is not going to be a successful quarterback if every pass that he's trying to throw is a 30-yard bomb to Zay Flowers. He can't do that every time. You need to take the stuff that's given to you if there's underneath things. And we've heard that for the last two years. Last year, 
I don't know how many times we heard about Hunter Long being wide open and he didn't see him. So that vision piece, we'd love to see him improve there. And I, I don't think I need to be to, to speak for you when I say he's also got to learn to take, you know, to take less contact. We said this again last year. This is something that he needs to improve on because freak injuries happen. You can't have three seasons in a row of being hurt if you want to be a first or second round NFL draft pick. Because if, if Dracovic is good like next year, if he competes to a high level, he could go as a top five quarterback easy. And if he, you know, I saw uh, someone on Twitter compare him to Kenny Pickett saying, you know, this is the kind of move that he could come back and, and really take Boston College to that next level. Well, he could do that as long as he doesn't get hurt. So Dracovic needs to, you know, it's part of his game to be physical, but some of those hits, like if you can take the opportunity to run out of bounds or slide, love to see a little bit more out of that so he doesn't get hurt and we get to see a full season out of the quarterback. But this is exciting. This is all super exciting news. I mean, everyone already assumed this, but you, you know, there's still that little piece of you that said, oh, maybe what's going to happen if a scout says to him, oh, you know, Phil, we're going to make you look like a second round draft pick. We could take you there. You know, maybe he'll leave. Then what happens to Boston College? You don't get that anymore. So that's good. Now, now with Dracovic back into the fold, the biggest question is going to be his his receiver, Zay Flowers, who many scouts have as a late second round draft pick right now. So he has the potential to make some good money. But if he goes back and he competes and he, you know, he's a top five finalist in the Blitnikoff and he plays really well with Dracovic, which he shows he can do even when, he, you know, Dracovic was playing at 50%. You could have a really special offense next year. So I think you'll probably hear that that Zay Flowers is coming back. But this is one I can't really read yet. But that's that's it right there. That's that's the big news for Boston College. Because once you have your quarterback, you can play around with everything else around it. And we could talk about that when we hit the offseason. But for now, get excited, folks, because Phil Dracovic is returning to Boston College. Next, we're going to look at all the coaching changes from around the country. And some of the coaching changes that had impacts on Boston College. We'll talk all about that with Mitch Wolf. You listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of free G, free 5G phone. There we go. So you can listen to all the latest episodes. The power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line and a free 5G phone when you switch so you can get the latest episodes. All on one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save. Boost Mobile. Disclaimer, free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers coverage not available everywhere for all free uh, for all phones and networks. See Boost Mobile for details. All right, college football fanatics, have you heard about Prize Picks? Prize Picks is a daily fantasy made easy. I love this and I know you will too. Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. Prize Picks offers more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all the star powers of the Power Five as well as mid major players you might not have even heard of. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns and even interception thrones. They have all the sports you can, you name it, they have it. That's why I love Prize Picks. It goes as far as your imagination can go. Now, when you sign up for Prize Picks today, use promo code Locked On, and they're going to give you a hundred percent instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars. That's a lot of money to play with, and it's a lot of fun to win. You pick two to five players and over and under on their projections, and you can win up to ten times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected number. Prize Picks allows mixed sport entries. You could take the over on LeBron co- combined with the under on Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. 
PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com and use promo code locked on or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. We are joined by Mitch Wolf, and we're going to talk a lot today about various things that happen in college football. It was one of the biggest college football weekends of the year. It's one of my favorites. It's championship weekend, and there is a ton of coaching news. And I want to jump into that first because the mighty might have uh, taken a mighty blow as Clemson might have lost, and we'll get into it, their AD. Their offensive coordinator, Tony Elliott, is rumored to be in talks with Duke and UVA. And um, Brent Venables is already been announced by many of the big names to be the next head coach of Oklahoma. Mitch, what does this all mean for Clemson? This is not good. You know, I mean, for for the Clemson Tigers, this because a lot of people, you know, would say that at least I, and I would kind of agree with this, that Davo has kind of been able to ride off the success of his coordinators, you know, and I think you make that argument, especially on offense these last few years, you know, where you saw how successful the offense was with guys like Chad Morris and um, Jeff Scott. Yeah, Jeff Scott. Um, but now they've gone, it's Tony Elliott and the offense really fell apart, especially once they lost their you know generational quarterback. And a, a lot of their successes come from the success of that defense. And, you know, Venable, a lot of people, this was kind of the big, this is a big shakeup move because, you know, Benable, Venables has been courted for jobs before, but Clemson pays him extremely well to keep him there. And he's kind of like, listen, like, I like being a DC. I don't have to have this, you know, big role, but you know, he's from kind of that Oklahoma stoops tree, bringing him back to Oklahoma where he's going to be kind of taking over that program as they move to the sec. So, you know, that's a huge hit for Clemson because, you know, a big reason why they were even able to get to nine and three this season in a down year was because of how well their defense played. And, you know, with Venables leaving, I assume he's going to take some of the defensive assistance with him. Uh, with Tony Elliott, who was a, you know, maligned offense coordinator, but could be getting some consideration for jobs. You know, it could just kind of be Dabo left to his own devices. And, you know, he might actually have to, you know, do the job of a head coach, which involves, uh, you know, coaching on the field, game planning, not, you know, well, I, I won't slander him too much, but not just focusing on certain aspects of recruiting. <laughs> um, and it, I think this is a risky move for Oklahoma. Like Oklahoma is one of the, I, I thought one of the top, top jobs in the country until, you know, Lincoln Riley just took off and went to USC. But, you know, there are, they're going to be in the SEC. They're, you know, one of the bigger, more historic programs, obviously. To take a risk on a guy like Venables, who hasn't been a, a head coach in, is getting up there. Not I don't want to say get out up there in age, but he's not like a, a, a spring chicken. It seems like a, a bit of a risk. I I, I don't know. For, for I mean, pro- I, I I think you'd argue that you know taking a risk on Lincoln Riley when Bob Stoops retired was the bigger risk because you know he was a you know thirty five or something year old uh, guy with no head coaching experience. You know, not that much yeah. offensive coordinating experience, and they kind of just were like, all right, you know, this is Stoops's guy. We're gonna go with him. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, and Venables has been around some great head coaches like, you know, Dabo, like Bob Stoops, you know, he knows the program very well, even as they make this big move. And yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be fine. You know, I think I, I like the, I like that they're going with a defensive head coach and then, you know, they can kind of, you know, that's the good thing about the big 12 areas that you can always find, you know, offensive geniuses, you know, they're pretty much going to get dozen. Jeff. It's rumored to get Jeff get Getty. I think his name is. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. The yeah. The guy from, from Ole Miss. Yeah. 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 So that, that's a great, that's a great hire to get to be your OC. So yeah, I mean, you can kind of cycle in those OCs. It's a little easier than on defense, you know? And I think there was a lot of talk about Oklahoma kind of taking a next step this year on defense. They really didn't, but I think with bringing in a guy like Venables, you know, they could kind of establish themselves as a solid defensive team. And, and in the sec, 
as opposed to the Big 12, you need to be able to do that to be able to win games. So I, th- I, I do like this hire a lot. I think it's a big blow for Clemson, especially given that they're also going to lose their office coordinator and possibly even losing their uh, athletic director. Yeah, I mean, this is big news for the ACC. Like, uh, for a team like Boston College that has to play them every year, mm-hmm. to get Venables out of there with, a, as you said, a healthy Djokovic, this is big because you're going to have to see what Dabo can do on his own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it it took Venables to get Clemson over that edge. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see what there is. But now, they're not the only team that's, that could be in really rough shape. Miami, I, I mean, it's, it's like a soap opera what's going on down there because – they're rumored to be bringing in Mario Cristobal, but you have Manny Diaz out recruiting uh, for um, for the hurricane yeah. <laughs> while Mario Cristobal is apparently going to be the coach, but he hasn't accepted the job yet, but they're still keeping Manny Diaz. They also might be hiring Clemson's AD. What is going on? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the Clemson AD thing is pretty, that's a little more set in stone, but the, the coaching thing is wild because there's been a lot of talk about, you know, like there's this meeting that's supposedly happening with Mario Cristobal at Oregon. You know, he played for Miami back in the day. Like he's always been connected to this job. You know, is he going to leave Oregon? Cause they haven't really been able to take that next step. You know, they haven't made the playoff. They've gotten trounced by Utah twice this year. So, you know, is he going to come home to Miami, man? It's, 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 it's very strange. You know, I think I saw a tweet from um, kind of one of the popular, like college football, like, in that kind of like comedic college universe is like saying like, I tried this move once at prom and it didn't really work out well in terms of talking to one coach while having one in hand. Um, yeah, I really don't know. I mean, I think Cristobal would be a great hire. I think, I think Diaz is a solid coach. You know, I'm not sure. I think, you know, he had a great year in 2020. They just, you know, kind of had some injuries and he did kind of turn around this year once they put the young players in, but Miami apparently has been really struggling on the recruiting trail and which is, you know, a, pretty big red flag considering you're in Miami and that's one of the biggest recruiting hotbeds in the country. Like you should be dominating that area. So, you know, you bring in a guy like Cristobal, who's been an extremely successful recruiter at Oregon, you know, that's been kind of his hallmark. So yeah, I mean, I, I really, I, as of right now, I don't really know what's going on there. I think that I think either Avenue they go with could be successful. Um, but I'm really not sure what they're going to do, honestly. Yeah. This, there's so many different, I mean, the, the coaching carousel this year is so crazy. And you have Duke and UVA now sitting around as um, yeah. Bronco Mendenhall. I mean, all the props to him. I mean, he, he went out in front of him and just said, you know, it's for his family. You know, he's been doing this for 31 years. He He's going to retire for a while. It's not permanent, but he's going to readjust. And I, I don't even know what that means. I'm not going to even speculate, but best of luck. I totally get it. Like you, these coaches, yeah you see the grind that they put themselves through because like you saw Jeff Halfley last week, he was in like, you could watch it on Twitter. He was in Florida and Georgia all in one day. And then he's off to some other place. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it takes, it takes a toll on a family life, but now these two programs are looking for coaches who the heck knows who they're going to hire. Any thoughts yeah, on I, that one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the Bronco Mendenhall thing was super weird because it was just completely out of the blue. He's like, all right, I'm leaving. And everyone's like, uh, why? Uh, and he kind of explained, he's like, listen, like I've I've been doing this a long time. You know, I really, I'm just kind of burnt out. I need a break. And I, this was kind of a tough season for UVA. And they got out to a hot start um, behind Brandon Armstrong who got hurt and they kind of fell off a little bit and they got six and six eventually. But he's just like, listen, like I just need a break. This is, this is, and this is at UVA. You know, it's not like this is, the most, uh, you know, obviously all these jobs take a ton of work, but it's not like this is, you know, Bama or Georgia or Michigan, you know, this is a, a middling 
ACC program. And that's coming from a fan of a middling ACC program. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of UVA and their next move, you know, I think that, you know, Jamie Chadwell, the head coach at Coastal Carolina, you know, that could be an interesting fit. You know, he's a Carolina guy. He's kind of that in that uh, mid Atlantic area, you know, it's not the best culture fit given, you know, he's kind of a, uh, how do I put this politely, just kind of a more rustic, um, down to earth guy than UVA might be interested in, you know, they're obviously a very good academic school and coastal Carolina is uh, not to put it lightly. Um, I know Will Healy, the coach at Charlotte has gotten a lot of buzz recently. You know, he, he's kind of like uh, the coach at UAB who kind of took that program from basically non-existence and has made them, you know, a pretty solid squad. You know, they just missed out on bowl eligibility this year, but you know, I think uh, he's been a kind of a hot name um, in terms of the rest of the Virginia circuit. I'm not exactly sure. Um, who has connections to that area. And that is obviously a very good recruiting area. So they, they do well there. Uh, so that'll be an interesting job to follow. And, you know, Duke, I think they were just like, you know, it's time with David Cutcliffe. He just, the game has kind of passed him by, you know, college football is just such a different animal than it has, you know, was when he started at Duke. And, you know, obviously he got Duke to a point where they were a very relevant program. You know, they were making good bowl games and made an, a New Year's Eve or day bowl a while ago. But, you know, I think it's just time for him to kind of move on. I imagine that he'll be courted by, um, Texas and Ole Miss and Tennessee, all the schools that want Arch Manning, given his connection to the Manning family, you know, they're going to want to use him as kind of a, a recruiting tool to get uh, Cooper's son into the program. But I mean, Duke is another tough job because, you know, it's extremely academically tough to get guys in there. And then you, you, know, you have to go out and try to find a way to win games in the ACC. So that'll be another interesting job to follow. You know, I'm sure they'll, they'll kind of probably go with a more outside of the box hire if I had to guess. All right. In our final segment, Mitch and I are going to talk about championship weekend and some of the games that played, including Georgia laying an absolute egg and Wake Forest getting uh, their comeuppance against Pitt. The holidays are around the corner and finding the perfect gift is tricky. Omaha Steaks makes it easy to send family and friends an unforgettable gift guaranteed to be loved. I love Omaha Steaks. About five years ago, my wife's grandmother sent me a us an Omaha Steaks Christmas present and included two filet mignons wrapped in bacon, all the sides, and a dessert. It was absolutely fantastic, and it was a gift that we'll never forget. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter college into the search bar to order the perfect gift package. For $99.99, you'll get 24 entrees like the world-famous bacon-wrapped filet mignons chicken breasts, sides, desserts, and so much more. When you use code COLLEGE, you also get an additional eight Omaha Steak burgers free with your order. We've all heard the reports about shortages and shipping delays, so don't wait. Order the perfect gift package at omahasteaks.com and you'll get eight free burgers when you enter the code COLLEGE. Achieve gifting greatness with Omaha Steaks. Incredible flavor, incredible value, and 100% guarantee. omahasteaks.com, keyword COLLEGE. This is Locked On Boston College, AJ Black. I am the editor and publisher of bcbulletin.com. Make sure to check out our work. Mitch is here with me, and we both are our writers. You want to check out our work at bcbulletin.com. Now, Mitch and I are taught, we just talked about all the coaching changes. That was still the chaos and uh, all the things that are going on along with that. Still hasn't hit Boston College, but um, doesn't sound like it will be. Uh, but this weekend was also championship weekend, and there was a mix of games. There was the incredible, which was Oklahoma losing to Baylor by Oklahoma state, Uh, Oklahoma state, excuse me, by about an inch. 
Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, yeah, I'm giving, I'm being a little facetious. But no, foot, no, you're not. But of a <laughs> foot and a half. about an inch. <laughs> uh, what, what an incredible ending. It reminded me of yeah. the uh, St. Louis Rams uh, ending mm-hmm. against the Tennessee Titans. Um, there was that game to the absolutely uh, pitiful, which was uh, Anthony Brown against Utah. Oh, man, that was bad. Um, and everything in between. Mitch, what were some of your takeaways from uh, uh, championship weekend? I think my biggest takeaway, um, which I, I think this is going to be shared by uh, basically everybody, is that this, this was a really bad weekend for Matt Areza's Heisman campaign. Uh, obviously, the punter from San Diego State. Um, he had two blocked punts, I believe, against Utah State in the Mountain West Championship. So I think that kind of kills any chances he had at the Heisman after arguably the best uh, punting season in college football history. But, you know, in arguably less significant games, we'll move on. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Baylor Oklahoma State game was awesome you know Baylor jumps out to this really big lead you know they're just kind of moving the ball down the field they couldn't really get anything going in the second half on offense and Oklahoma State clawed their way back as close they could um but yeah I mean I they just couldn't get that extra few inches to get the last uh second touchdown and Baylor goes from I think two and ten last year to ten and two in a big 12 champion so you know credit to Dave Aranda I think there's still some jobs coming open out there it seems like he's really willing to stay at Baylor and build that program so you know, good on him, but I mean, overall, a really, really exciting weekend of games in the conference championships. Yeah, I let's talk about the ACC championship. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam Hartman, four interceptions. Pitt's defense came to play, but uh, you know, Pitt, the ACC championship, they they win it. I, my what my takeaway from all of that though was not even the game, but I was fascinated with um, Kenny Pickett's fake slide. Oh boy. I want to know your thoughts on that play. Listen, I'm, I'm, I was shocked by the amount of people who like, I like to follow on Twitter that kind of enjoy the ridiculousness that is college football and they're not super stuffy about it, but Oh my God, the amount of hand wringing and pearl clutching about Kenny Pickett's fake slide. I was like, yeah, like I get it. It's, it might be dangerous because you know, now more quarterbacks in your head's taking off, but it was cool. And like not many quarterbacks, like that takes, a. I think Mark Herzog actually just tweeted about it. Like that takes, that's a, that's really hard to pull off. Like you have to really trust your knees and your lower body to be able to pull that off. And it was really cool. So like, you know, that's, that's all I have to say. Like it was an awesome play. And, you know, I mean, after the first quarter, Wake is winning 21, 14, and they didn't score another point the rest of the game, you know, Pitt, their defense turned on. They just blitzed the heck out of Sam Hartman, you know, got a ton of sacks, forced him to make some really bad throws and, they basically just kind of worked and then the offense just kind of, you know, went to work, you know, they did their thing just, you know, kind of moseyed along. Whereas the de- while the defense was just making in life impossible for Sam Hartman. But yeah, I mean, I was kind of just like, listen, I get why it's maybe problematic in the future, but it was a really cool play. So let's just kind of enjoy that. I, I think so too. And, and not that it'll be problematic. It's just, you know, that the, the rules committee will probably be like, okay, that's going to be written out of the game. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just, I don't even know how you legislate that. Like when does a, when, like, like how do you decide when a slide really begins? But you know, that's not for me to decide. So. So that was a big game. The other big game of the weekend was number one, Georgia is number one, no more as they looked absolutely pathetic against Alabama in the national championship. And it seems like the uh, Crimson Tide have turned the meat grinder back on. And I, I don't know. Again, I'm going back to, I don't know anyone's going to beat them again. (laughs) Listen, I mean, here's the thing. Like, Alabama needed this game. Like, they needed to win to get in the playoff. And Georgia didn't really. And I think that, you know, you could, I'm not saying it's a full letdown game, but, you know, 
this, this was completely do or die for Bama. It wasn't necessarily the same for Georgia. And I think that the biggest issue for Georgia, you know, obviously their defense really kind of, uh, you know, took a big step back in this game. You know, Bama hit, I mean, Jamison Williams, their wide receiver uh, is truly an incredible player. And I, I'd be shocked if he doesn't win the Bolitnikoff. You know, Bryce Young pretty much locked up the Heisman in my mind. Um, Bama's defense kind of finally showed up. You know, they haven't had the best season consistently, but they, you know, made Stetson Bennett look like Stetson Bennett. Um, I'm really intrigued to see if Georgia does make a quarterback switch for the playoff. You know, Stetson Bennett can help you, can win you those SEC games when your defense is playing well, but if they're not, he's not the kind of quarterback that can keep you in these games and lead you back from behind. So, you know, they might finally make that switch to JT Daniels. They could put in uh, Brock Vandergriff or uh, I think Carson Beck is their other, you know, one of their highly touted freshmen. But I mean, at some point, you know, you do just have to put in the guys that are, you know, very highly rated recruits as opposed to some guy who was a, you know, walk on that's going to be selling cars in a few years. The Georgia, I, I joked with watching it with my wife that he's the, she's like, he's a walk on. I'm like, yeah, he's kind of like a little upgraded version of Dennis Purcell. And I mean, like, yeah, I mean, he led Georgia to an undefeated season. So I know. Like, it's just like, how does this happen? But yeah, I mean, with, yeah. Yeah. But th- my two thoughts of watching that. I was very high on Jordan Davis watch up into this game, but there were certain t- plays that kept showing and he was just like standing there and barely moving. And I'm like, yeah, see this, this is, this is the issue with Jordan Davis is that he is a, he is a dominant player. The, the problem is, is that he is not just the most natural pass rusher, partially on account of his size. And when you are down by that much, you need to be a, a player that can create um, pass rush by yourself. And he just, it's it's it is weird. Like he just doesn't have that as part of his like best. It's not part of like his great skill set, which is frustrating. So like he's just not the kind of guy that's going to win you um, pass rushing reps one on one. Especially when you know Georgia in the early part of the game they were trying to win um, with a lot of stunts and twists. And, you know, kind of playing games on the defensive line, and Bama's deep offensive line did a great job of countering that. And you know, at some point, you kind of just need to win your one on ones. And Georgia really wasn't able to do that this week, which was kind of the outlier for them based on this season. But I, I still think we're going to get a rematch probably in the national title game. I, I, do, I do like both these playoff matches. I'll say that, you know, I think, I think Bama, I think Cincinnati will match up with Bama. Well, you know, I think that that is a good staff. They've got a lot of really good players. I think that the matchup to watch is uh, Cincinnati's cornerback sauce Gardner against Jamison Williams. That'll be really interesting. Um, I think, I do think though, you know, Bama with a month to prepare for a game, you have to give them the edge. So they'll probably win that. I think Georgia, Michigan is again, really interesting. You know, Michigan's defense is playing super well. They're able to get a lot of pressure on the quarterback with Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo. It'll be interesting to see Michigan's offense versus George defense. You know, George defense had a really bad showing. They're going to want to get back to the way they were playing for the whole season. You know, Michigan offense, Michigan's offense is pretty good, but you know, I could see a world where Georgia defense kind of steps up and be like, all right, no, we're going to take over this game and you know prevent that offense from doing anything so this is gonna be a really fun playoff i'm really excited i i ended up staying up watching uh parts of iowa and michigan and once iowa went why down, <laughs> once iowa went time. down like 14 3 i was like okay i'm done with this game because there's no way i i was i was offense if we joke about adazio being in the stone age they're like a two steps in front of that yeah, i mean <laughs> iowa's offense is punt you to death Oh my God. They were mm-hmm. painful. I want to say I mean, that and I here's like, the thing. Like it worked against Penn state earlier in the season when Penn state had to put in their backup and they literally won because they just basically just kept pushing Penn state <laughs> further and further back with their punting. But against a team like Michigan, it just doesn't work that way. 
All right. So Mitch, we got to head out. Um, where can people find you on social media? You can find me at Mitchell T. Wolf, W-O-L-F-E on Twitter. And like I said uh, on the uh, yesterday's episode, you know, we'll be posting all of our content, previewing BC's military bowl matchup against ECU, uh, we'll be posting uh, my scouting previews for the BC players that are going in the 2022 NFL draft. And yeah, I mean, this is a very exciting season of football content. Yes. And I am AJ Black. We will be back again tomorrow. We do this every day. We will have be talking all about football and any news that's breaking. Uh, there's no basketball game until Saturday, so we get some time off. Uh, but we will be talking about everything in between. So thank you all for listening. We'll be back again soon. Follow me on Twitter at AJ Black underscore BC. And we'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Thank you all. And we'll see you again.